Hey everyone, what's up? It is Monday. It is time for another episode of Coffee with Colin. Look everyone, the new Coffee with Colin coffee mugs came in and you can get your very own Coffee with Colin coffee mug by, uh, well, we'll get into that later. I don't do any like, just like selfish promotion, but I kind of do. But aren't these really cool? These are awesome. So if you want to get your Coffee with Colin coffee mug, then uh, just go to my website. Anyway, how you guys doing? Welcome, welcome. It is Monday, and you know what time it is. It is time for some, some motivation, some inspiration. You know, there's so much uh, stuff going on in the world right now that I'd like to come on here, and I like to focus on things that are inspiring, that are motivating, that help us move forward in life, and to uh, to learn some insightful things that help us achieve our goals and our dreams. And uh, tonight, we've got another hunky gentleman that is going to be joining us. He is best known for a Hallmark show that he's on, and he happened to work with uh, Mr. Daniel Lissing, who was on our show a few weeks ago. And uh, this fine, handsome gentleman is an actor himself. We have a lot in common because uh, it sounds like he was an athlete growing up. Maybe acting wasn't necessarily something that he uh, wanted to be doing, but he found himself in Canada and then found himself studying acting, and boom, what happens when your passion and your desire meets opportunity, amazing things can happen. And we're going to be chatting with him about what his road was to get to where he is at. And uh, you may have seen him on shows such as Mission to Mars, Human Target, Supernatural. Supernatural was a really great show, one of my favorites, Smallville, and uh, Fairly Legal, The 4400, Eureka and Rogue, which he worked with Tandy Newton on. And, uh, you know, you guys probably best know him on his show that has been going on now. It's about to start season nine. And uh, I think you may have heard of it. It's kind of this show that you may have heard of. It's called Win Calls the Heart. Uh, he is also a writer and an author himself. So it would be um, awesome for you guys to type in the chat if you guys want to ask any questions to him about the about acting, about writing, about achieving goals and dreams, and um, let's have let's just have some fun tonight. All right, guys, uh, let's bring him to the stage, Mister Kevin Smith. How you doing, sir? What's going on? Hey, thank you very much. Very nice introduction. Hope I can live up to it. Yeah, well, there's not too much pressure here because this show is just all about just being yourself, man. Like, okay, you know, the, the world is full of. Uh, I guess the reason why I love doing this is because living in Los Angeles, I felt so much pressure to kind of be something that maybe I just felt like was, uh, wasn't really who I was and the pressure of um, seeing all these billboards up on Sunset Boulevard and start working in these TV shows. And it's hard to navigate how to be in a certain situation like this. And there wasn't anyone who really, um, who I guess I, I had as a mentor to kind of guide me through the whole going out to Hollywood and start, you know, I, I loved acting, but then once you're put into the spotlight in front of like millions of people, no one really teaches you. I don't know if there's really a handbook on how to be in the spotlight, right? Did yeah. You, no, I, I, acting, did you start finding yourself in a situation where, wait, they just kind of like recognized me and asked me for my autograph. That's kind of, Cool, but it's kind of weird that this is happening right now. Yeah, it, it very much so. It, it crept up on me. It was a slow burn. It took me a while to get to the point where millions of people saw anything I did. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I think 
my experience in LA was you know quite similar to that and I, I you find yourself playing a game that you didn't really ask to play you know I I got into acting I thought for for the right reasons I wanted to express myself artistically and I wanted to be a real actor whatever that meant I'll take these off so they don't ricochet the light but I wanted to do something that was artistic to me but then all of a sudden you find yourself in the business and it's yeah. a bit of a reality check because that whole like, concept of being artistic as an actor is sort of reserved for a very small percentage i mean it's a small percentage of actors that work period but then yeah. a very very small percentage that have some artistic say mm -hmm. so you find yourself kind of maybe desperate is the wrong word but you're 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 you need the job you you need to work you need to do these things so yeah. it's not it's not always inspirational that's for sure it, it's definitely not inspirational and and then as I got older and we were we were talking briefly about this before I before we went went live um, I really don't think I knew what my life was about really or what the purpose mm -hmm. was and I I was conf I thought it was acting but then when my son was born there was this aha moment. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This, this is important. And it, it actually, I got much better as an actor after that. Because, really? yeah, oh yeah, definitely way, it centered me in a way that I wasn't before. So I was never a very good auditioner because the stress of that call the night before and like, hey, you got 25 pages for tomorrow morning. Yeah. And like, how am I supposed to perform? Or what pilot season used to be when you do, you know, four auditions a day for four months. Yeah. How do you, how do you do any of them well? How can you do any of them well? So, yeah. so, but, so I would go in and I was, I was razzled because I didn't want to just go do line readings. I didn't want to read, I want to perform. And then I would be upset with myself when I, when I couldn't calm myself down or I couldn't center myself and do a real performance. Oh, so but you then all, your auditions would go into your car too and bang your head on the steering wheel? Yes, like, yes, Good. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Oh. I, think, I think actors have a name for that indentation on the steering wheel. I don't know what it is, but yeah. So you get out of there and you're like, what did I just do? Yeah. And it took, it took a long time to learn the lesson of, of, I don't go in anymore unless I'm really prepared because I don't want to give anybody a reason to think that I'm not good at what I do. Right. I, it's, it's hard enough as it is. But, um, but then when, when I started having a family, all of a sudden I got centered and I don't get, I don't get frazzled anymore because I have some perspective and I, I am able to take all that stress I felt and put it somewhere else. It just kind of disappears. So for me, that 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 idea of playing that LA game just kind of just sort of faded after that, and I was like, yeah, yeah that's fine. I still want to act. I still love what I do, but I don't feel that same rat race kind of thing anymore. Yeah, and was was acting something that you wanted to do from an early <laughs> age? I know you went to uh, in in Canada. It's the it would be considered like the royal. Sh Shakespeare Theater of Canada, so to speak. Oh, oh no, they have those. I wasn't allowed in there. Okay, <laughs> they, they do have well-regarded theater schools here, but no, my my route was pretty uh, circuitous. I was saying to you before, um, I raised in Alberta and in kind of a very conservative kind of environment, and uh, I it never even dawned on me that it was an option. And one of the things. 
I was just going to take over my dad's business. That was always expected. It wasn't really something I ever thought of. It was just kind of what was supposed what's, to happen. What's the my business? dad? My yeah, he's a he has a used to have a, um, an annuity company. So it's kind of like life insurance okay. idea. So not terribly exciting if I'm being totally honest with you but it was just kind of expected and uh, so I was going up through school and the one thing that brought me some solace I guess would be and this is probably bad to promote this but my friend and I back in the day skipped a fair bit of school shout out to Ron so we would skip school and we'd go to my house and we would practice these skits and we would do comedy skits, just like SCTV or Kids in the Hall or stuff like that. Yeah. And we would practice these skits and then we'd go out on city buses and try them out. And that was really fun. I at no point ever thought this is a career path or this could be, a, I didn't understand. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that would be a comedian or what that would be, but it certainly didn't say career to me at the time. So I got through high school and I went to university and I was, despondent it was awful I, I i was not emotionally invested at all I what were you studying we studied i studied uh kind of like pre-law stuff like an yeah. economics kind of thing so the things that my dad was looking for were like sort of a chartered accountant or a law degree corporate law that kind of thing would have helped in, yeah. in that kind of in, in that family business so i started those and i knew very very quickly that that was not going to be a path for me and luckily, the university came to me and said, listen, Mr. Smith, um, you're kind of sucking right now. And <laughs> if, you, if, you with, if you withdraw from the rest of your classes, you won't go under review and we won't have to kick you out. If you withdraw mm -hmm. now, you clearly aren't invested. Take a year, take some time, think about what you want to do. And when you reassess, you can still get being back in with your high school marks, which were pretty good at that. So I did. And then I had to ask myself that question, like, okay, well, what am, what am I going to do? What do I want? What do I like? Yeah. There's a lot of pressure involved in that. I mean, everybody says it. So just follow your passion, follow your passion. Yeah. But and and then like 18 years old, 19, yeah. like, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Like, exactly. I, like what? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of pressure. And I, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. So I, I started thinking about, okay, well, what, what does make what have I enjoyed doing? And I just, I remember thinking back to those skits. I'm like, well, that was a lot of fun. I don't know if that's a career choice or not, but that's a lot of fun. So yeah. I guess I, I was like, I guess that's acting. So maybe I want to be an actor. So I went to theater school and then the rest is kind of a very slow burn on history. And by going to theater school, was it something where you were like, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to see how far I can take this. Or did you, once you got in it, you were like, all right, do or die. I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Definitely a do or die thing. And, and not that that's necessarily my personality type. It's just, I am, I am very persistent and very dedicated to something. If I choose to be most things I don't like, I'll try something. <laughs> if it sucks, I just quit. But, yeah. but there are a couple of things in my life that I have just said, Oh, I like this. I'm going to stick. And then I just never quit. And with acting, I knew right away, like first, my first acting class was a weird one. It was a movement class. And I walked in it in gym shorts and a tank top and all the other kids were in leotards. And I was, I was like, whoa, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm <laughs> a small town, Alberta boy. And then the, the, the lady said, okay, everybody, I want you to get into your bubble. 
and explore your bubble, explore your space. Oh God. And that one moment I thought I've made a horrible mistake. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. So what did you have you do? Just like move around like a bubble? Yeah. Yeah. You're moving around on the inside of the bubble. And all these other kids were so invested in their bubbles. I was like, there's something wrong with me. My bubble popped. There's, There's nothing here. But I bought into it pretty quickly and fell in love with it and realized, okay, this is not just a, it wasn't just being on a bus doing comedy skits. There's something to the performing thing that really, that really kind of struck me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. When I first got into my first acting class, I was 24 years old. Um, I had done some acting growing up, mainly because my older sister was really, she wanted to do it. So I would tag along with her to her, her auditions. But, you know, I was more of an introvert, just, I was kind of more shy that with that sort of stuff. And when I was 24 and I found myself in this, in this acting class, what I loved about acting was that, um, and I, I say this a lot, it was the first time that I felt that I could actually um, put my whole being into something and feel so like it was, I was, it was n- nervous as hell, but also yeah. exciting. And uh, to be able to, to bring these amazing characters that were written on these from these amazing scripts up on stage and tell these stories and just being able to tap into the imagination of what we see when you go to the movie theater and being like being a part of that whole storytelling um, type of like the old storytellers. My mom is from Ireland and you hear all these stories of these traveling storytellers that would go to village (laughs) to village and just the idea of uh, of just being able to play into in that was what was really exciting to me about it. But like you said about your auditioning, I started going on these auditions and I just would like my body would shut down, like nervous and hard to breathe and stage fright, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's when I went on this quest to find out, well, if, if I love this, why is my body revolting <laughs> yeah. against yeah. doing that? And totally. So there's that mind body type of conundrum where what are what is what are the subconscious beliefs that we hold on to that prevent us from going out and pursuing and achieving our dreams and our goals. So it sounds like it was similar for you in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, um, part of what I what I do these days is I interview myself a lot i don't know if that makes much sense but i sort of pretend i'm on a talk show and i'm being interviewed and being asked questions because i'm always trying to figure out why i'm the way i am i there's there's some screwy things about me that i don't love and they're they've been popping their heads up here and there my whole life and i i want to figure them out i want to know a bit more about me so i'm very inquisitive so i'll i'll keep talking and most of it's just garbage. And I, I just, well, you know, well, Jim, let, yeah, let me tell you about, and then, but then every once in a while you get a little pearl, you know, you say something, I drive into set or something like that. And I'll interview myself about how I feel about loneliness or something. And, and mm. uh, most, most of it's just crap, but every once in a while you get a little pearl of something. So the next day when you drive, you start with the pearl. And, and, and I've learned a lot more about myself. Um, little segue here I, i'm trying to write as well like i'm trying to write a, bo- a book and i wanted to write books even though they're fiction books that were based on me trying to understand my past which wasn't an ideal childhood 
growing mm. up. So, so I, I tried to figure this all out. And one of my little quirks was why I put so much pressure on myself yeah. at those auditions and stuff. Why, why couldn't I go in like the guy beside me who just went in relaxed as hell? Maybe he didn't do a great job, but why is he so relaxed and I'm not? Yeah. You know, why am I taking it? Why, why am I driving myself crazy like this? So yeah. I've tried to, I keep trying to figure myself out. And, and that acting thing, I've gotten better at the auditions. Oddly enough, on set, I've never felt that. It's just, yeah, right? Short term. Right. Yeah. Once never. you get the job, you're on set, it's, it's fun. It's, yeah. it's what it's like in acting class where you're just, you're creating and right. you're in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And so once you started auditioning, mm -hmm. um, was it, soon before you got your first acting jobs or did it take a while? I was really lucky. I got, uh, when I got out of theater school, um, my father was kind enough to hire me as a receptionist in his office. And I was, it was terrifying because I was like, oh God, I don't want to backslide and do this mm -hmm. job that I don't want to do. But I got a, a, a local audition came my way and, uh, I got it the first and it was a TV series right out of the gate. So I got mm -hmm. a, I got a series. It wasn't a, a big deal series or anything. There wasn't a lot of money involved in it, but I learned because there were some, some decent actors on it. So I got my very first film audition I got and I got, it got me because, you know, as an actor, you have, I have tons of actors that ask, so how do you get an agent? How do you get, how do you, how do you do all that? I got very lucky because I had the show first. So I had a show and that, that got me the agent and that got me some experience on set. So I got for what's that for actors out there who are looking to get onto TV shows and films and trying to get an agent. How did you get that audition without an agent or a manager? Well, in the town that we were in, I grew up in Calgary. So it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of like a small city. And um, there was only one casting director at the time, but she knew the head of our acting department at the, at the school. Okay. So she put out that I guess the casting director called and said, Hey, do you have anybody who might fit this role? And I was submitted with, with that group. So I kind of got lucky just at sort of an association through the theater school. Yeah. And, uh, and then a few of my friends uh, went and uh, I was really lucky and it sort of, it bankrolled me enough to be able to move. Uh, to a bigger city and uh, got me an agent and got my feet wet. I made a huge mistake. I There's a snobby sense in theater that you don't watch yourself too much. You don't worry about how you look. You don't, you, you, if you see yourself too much, you start obsessing about the wrong thing. Yeah. And I, so I never watched myself and God, what a mistake. I was terrible. <laughs> I was so, I was so bad that I, that it, it barely made sense. But, um, it was a it was a good learning experience, and uh, I, I when you were on it. set and the director was directing you, could you tell in the moment that you were bad or no, no? They were no. like, oh yeah, great job, Kevin. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly, like, exactly. Hey, okay, we're moving on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was very much like that. It was uh, it was it was a, it was very odd and. It was so earnest, like I was trying my best, but I was wickedly overacting. I was theater acting for the camera. Yeah. And uh, it was a good lesson to learn. And yeah. uh, I, I have never done that again. Yeah, my, my first acting job, I had to bring two glasses of wine. You know, Jenny Garth from 90210. Yep. So yep. it was on a show called The Street. And I my 
my, I guess my character's name was the artist. And you know, the, he, the main character guy was in love with her and they yep. had met. And so the scene was she's in bed. I walk into the room in my underwear with two glasses of wine. And as I'm walking in, he's leaving a message on the voice machine, like the voice recorder, like back in yeah. the day when there was, what, what are they even called anymore? Yeah. Um, I know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. What were they the, called? Yeah. The message answering machine. machine. Answering, machine. answering machine. There you go. Answering like, machine. That's how yeah. long ago this was. Um, yeah. And so on the answering machine, he says, okay, anyway, it was great to meet you. would love to uh, hang out sometime. Anyway, give me a call. Uh, it's Chris McConnell, you know, take care. And as I walk in, my line was, who's Chris McConnell? And I have to give the two glasses of wine. We cheers. And then we have a little kiss. Nice. So of course, action. I walk in. <clears throat> so who's Chris McConnell? Cut! <laughs> uh, yeah, Colin, uh, just come on in. Give the glasses of wine, okay? Just, yep. just pick up the pace. All right. Take two. Walk in. So, who's Chris McConnell? Cut! Yeah, dude, just walk in. Give yeah. the glasses of wine. Sure. Sure. Okay? Can you do that? I was like, God, this guy's so mean. I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I've got some. I've had some doozies in my time too. Yeah. Like, well, you're, you're just doing your thing. Yeah, you've waited all this time to get this job, and it's here. You're, you want to do yeah. your acting thing, and then all of a yeah. sudden, you realize that the whole point of being on camera is to really look like you're not acting. Right. And then I watched yeah. it. It was all of like two seconds, and I was like, "That was it." And I waited around for like twelve hours for like two seconds. Yeah. Like, but that's how it was. Um, so on our little chat here, we've got Lisa Rickman. She says she's, a, uh, she's about to do a movie for the first time. She's asking, do you have any advice? Okay. Professionally, <laughs> I, I would say I would, this is what I've always tried to do. Everybody has different ways of doing this. I have friends on set who come in. They're very minimally prepared. They want to sort of, they like the stress of the moment. They like to learn, kind of get the line, not over-rehearse the line, and they like to do it on the day. I'm the opposite of that. I, I like to be really prepared, ultra-prepared, so then I can forget everything, and I can mm -hmm. just be present. So if you got your first gig on a show, I would say can try and control all the variables that you can, and mm -hmm. really that's show up on time, be professional, and be prepared. So if they throw something at you, like they, I say, Colin, just come in and say the line. You can, you can roll with it. You're ready for it. And you don't get stressed out by not knowing the line. Like take all the sort of variables that you can't, can, that you can control, take them mm -hmm. out of the way. And then because it's your first gig, remember it and enjoy it. It's a fun ride. It's not yeah. for everybody. It's not for everybody, but it is, it is a really fun ride. So yeah. try and enjoy it because yeah. you got to go through all that other stress and all that other stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah, it is still really fun. Yeah, I would say definitely if you have an acting teacher, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Yes, yes. And do it as much and as many times as you possibly can, because there's a strange thing that happens to our brain. We may think we know the words, and in the night before in our bathrooms, we are the best actor <laughs> in saying our lines in the mirror. 
And then you get on set and there's something about the stress and there's just so many, there's so much going on on set mm-hmm. that uh, I like to just go onto the set before my scene and just kind of just watch what's going on. Look at the gaffers, look at the guys who are just like setting everything up and just kind of sit and absorb and let your body just kind of adjust to the, the activity on set before you, you know, a lot of people will stay in their trailer and just wait yeah. for hold on set. Just, I would say go on set and just acclimate yourself so that you can kind of let the nerves settle down and know that, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. And start rehearsing there on set. And, uh, and then that way, when you do go back in your trailer and the makeup and the wardrobe, then when you come back on, you're kind of used to it and it's yeah. not like a new brand new kind of scary experience. Yeah. You take some of the shock out of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Kevin, Stacy Hollis says she created a Facebook group for all of your fans that love you. And wow. she's hoping that you'll consider joining them. <laughs> okay. <Just inside>. Sure. <laughs> well, what, what's it called? What, how do I, I am really a techno moron. I am not good at any of this stuff. So what was the name of it? And I'll try and follow it. Miriam will copy it and uh, she'll put it in the chat again. Great. Um, And it sounds like, so when you decided to do this and you said it was pretty much do or die for you, Mm -hmm. much like anything to be successful with anything, it really takes commitment. It takes like an idea of where, where you want to go with this. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say are some like ingredients for success not just with acting but with any career Hmm. my immediate thought goes to you know being disappointed like when, when it doesn't work out right away or when you get setbacks when there's setbacks you have to develop some resilience you gotta know going in that you're gonna get slapped down if you don't get slapped down you're getting ripped off. You want those because mm. if you don't have the struggle, the payoff isn't the same, you know? So, so I would say that no matter what it is you choose to do, go in with everything you got. All, there's all those stuff like discipline and, and, and yeah. wake, like, like for the writing, they call it, or I call it a process. So you just every day with every single day, without exception, you choose your time without any excuses and you write, that's it. Maybe a page, maybe 20 pages but you just sit down and you're right. It's the same thing with anything. So you commit to it. That's part of it. But then the struggle starts after that. And then I think the struggle, people shortchange the positive of the struggle, you know, like, I mean, if I had just come out saying, I want to be an actor, got a show, it was a huge hit. And I went on, I think I'd feel ripped off a little bit. There's, Something of the struggle made, I tell, I tell this to my wife all the time, and I don't mean to be self-deprecating when I say this, but my mediocre career was the making of me as a man. And, mm. and, it, and it's very true. I, I re-centered myself and I found the things that really do matter to me, still love what I do, but you gotta, that struggle is so important. So don't get down, don't get too down on yourself. And then also don't get too high on yourself. Don't make that mistake either. Don't, yeah. don't vacillate one way or the other too much. Stay centered and then just respect your process. Whatever you're doing, just do it every single day. Don't question. Yeah, love that. 
Love that. Great advice. Uh, Sharon Kalma asks, who would you like to work with and why? Oh, geez. You know, I answered this question. I, I answered this question one time on a, on a talk show in Los Angeles, one of those morning yeah. shows. And I answered with the stupidest answers. And I look back and I thought, I, I just, I don't even remember who I mentioned, but they were like huge, huge, huge stars. So the stock answer is, I think everybody says, well, love to watch, love to work with Daniel Day-Lewis, love to work with Meryl Streep. Those are all obvious answers. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, the jobs that I've enjoyed the most are unexpected. So my answer is kind of a non-answer. I like to work with really odd people, like, uh, you know, people that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I just, yeah. I find, I find, um, I find little odd traits, something that I get so much out of. So I, I don't have names of people, but what I do like working with is people who are a little off. Yeah. No. For what it's worth. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. People who are a little more charactery. What I find is that there's a, they're more free. They just show up and they're like, they're just so in the moment. There's yeah. just like, they're kind of just like ready for anything. And there's just kind of like, there's this like amazement and this like sense of discovery and play that yep. there's just like this mischievous, playful kind of like quirkiness that it's really interesting to like try to figure it out. And uh, I've always, yeah, I've always had good chemistry with actors like people, that. With people like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. Me too. Yeah. I think those are, those are the best. I've, uh, I, trying to give a specific answer yeah I, I don't i can't think of yeah. anybody's name i'm gonna throw out because i don't want to have another embarrassing moment like i did on on a talk show yeah uh elizabeth kraus is asking what was the chemistry like on the set of eureka you all float oh, so yeah. well together on screen but i always wondered what it was really like uh, eureka was one of the ones that uh it, it i got that show um this is a sci-fi show and I played this, I played a robot and he was this really earnest, sweet, charming robot who was in love with a house computer. And it was really fun to do. And it was a, kind of the first real job I had after my son was born. And I, so I felt more centered. So I tried more things mm -hmm. and I, I felt better about myself, but the, the, the cast, I mean, everybody got along so well. Colin and I have gone on a trip together and a bunch of the other actors. It was a very friendly set. I've been really fortunate. I haven't worked on many bad sets at all, but Eureka was by, it was absolutely one of my favorite experiences as an actor and everybody on Eureka, everybody from Joe and Colin and Niall, everybody was just amazing to work with. Who's I got the lucky Colin that you speak Colin, of? sorry, Colin, yeah, it wasn't you. It, I'm <laughs> sure I, it, it would have been just as good if it was you. I'm a little jealous. You. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It, uh, Colin Ferguson. Okay. It, it, it was a very funny guy. Very funny guy. So it was a good show. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Um, and then you did mention, so obviously you're married. You have two kids. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you said having having your, your kids said grounded you more as an actor Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I just think, I mean, it goes back to what I said about that thing. Like, okay, now I see what I'm really supposed or what it, it I reprioritize things when, when my kids showed up. Um, and it took so much of that pressure off my shoulders to, 
put it all on acting or all on my career. And, and I think part of what made me a bad auditioner was that I had all that stress. Mm-hmm. So, so really that kind of just evaporated. And then I pursued it with, you know, as I've gotten older, trying to figure out why I was that type of guy who took so much stress on. So I just keep, I just keep unraveling this mystery and it's fascinating to learn more about yourself like this. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong on any given day and I'll, the next day I'll be like, ah, oh, that was stupid. What was I thinking about myself? <laughs> That's totally not my problem, but my problem is far more intense than that. Uh, but it was, uh, there, there is something about home, I guess. I always knew I was going to be a dad. I always knew yeah. it's, it's not for everybody. I mean, and I don't expect it to be for everybody, but mm-hmm. I always knew, I always knew I wanted to. And I didn't know why, but when they showed up, it really calmed me. Mm. Now that, now that the teenagers, that calmness is gone, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm still, I'm still left somewhat centered. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. being married, do you find it challenging being an actor, being in the spotlight and being married? Um, no, not, not really. I don't. Um, I, I got really lucky with uh, the person I married. She's beautiful and wonderful and my best friend. And uh, she's uh, very accepting of some of the oddities of the job, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, sex scenes and relationships and marriages and all, all she she takes it all with a grain of salt and knows that yeah. it's performance and um but again maybe to a slightly lesser degree than the kids thing again it just takes a bunch of pressure off me because i feel like the things that matter in my life are checked boxes you know and and marriage in itself we can go on about that marriage is challenging my wife and i are there's a great Rodney Dangerfield skit where he says, you know, my wife's a water sign and I'm an earth sign together. We make mud. So <laughs> my, my wife and I are definitely really different. And I think it, for whatever reason, it works. Um, and I think because of that, it doesn't, the acting thing doesn't really affect it very much. And I'm an old codger now nobody wants anything to do with me romantically so i'm lucky that my wife is still i don't interested. know about that Kevin. yeah i do what would you say are some some secrets for success with making a relationship work um well i was really big on being right all the time and yeah, I was, I was really keen on always being right. And I would argue my point uh, to the death until I realized that there was no point to my points. Like there was nothing to be gained by winning arguments. Uh, mm. So I, I got perspective with that. But I also realized that <clears throat> if I really wanted to be the man that I set out to be, not just an actor or anything, but to be the man I, I, would be proud of being mm-hmm. it, it meant that i had to dig deeper than that so when conflict arises i really do try and ask myself you know what how can i do better what can i do mm-hmm. to be better because right now i'm failing miserably so i uh i definitely had to check a lot of things about myself 
um, a lot of my ego, but not, but it wasn't, I guess there was a perception beforehand that I would be taking a loss somehow, but there was no loss. It was all an apparition. You mean like, like giving we, up a part of yourself to now, well, yeah. now that I'm married, I can't do this and I can't do this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, and, and it's really, it's an apparition. It, it, the, the more you give up, the more you let go, the mm. more you get back. There's no question. When I gave up control, trying to control the relationship, trying to control every moment or every outcome or every argument, I became a better man and mm. the relationship got stronger. You know, it, it really, uh, I suddenly went from being kind of a dead end street where, you know, ideas would come and I just say, no, no, no. Now I, now I just like, okay, okay. I try and say yes a lot more. Yeah. My wife is the, my wife is the yes. I'm the no. I try and say yes a lot more now. Okay. And it makes things a lot better. My, my life is much, much richer for it. And do you guys have relationship goals that you talk about and you work on and, and strive for? Yeah, I guess I, well, maybe not goals. I think that we try, we're best friends and we're lucky in so far that the things that we like in life are pretty well lined up. You know, morally we're, we're fairly lined up. Our tastes and what we want to do all the time couldn't be more different, but we've grown together. And that's one area, I think, in a relationship that you really do, you roll the dice a little bit. It's, it's, it's sort of chance plays a big part in that because yeah. you just, you never know. Maybe yeah. your wife will want X and you'll want Y and it, it tears you apart. And that's, we're very lucky that so far we're growing in the right direction. And uh, it's been, we've been together for 20, this will be 20 years this, this year. Wow. And yeah, wow. it's been a long, been a long time. And uh, yeah. there's so much experience and so many things we've done. And we both feel like it's been well worth the struggle. And it has yeah. been a struggle because relationships you know, it's not just yeah. you. you. You're sharing your life with another human being who has all their own opinions. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're obviously, uh, it sounds like you've got a very healthy way of looking at your relationship. I mean, for 20 years, you know, that's that's a long time. And it sounds like you guys have, uh, it's interesting that you guys see things in very different lights and that you're still able to uh, to meet in the middle. Well, I think one of the things that we did is that um, we realized that those differences were either going to push us apart or they were going to bring us closer together. And they really did, because I think that what was missing in my life was more yes and sort of a, a fearlessness that she brings into the relationship. And uh, if I brought anything into it, I'd say maybe a bit more, um, uh, I don't know, discipline, Got grounded, a little more groundedness, yeah. I suppose. But it really, we really benefit well. Like I, we mm. ultimately, when it comes down to it, choose well. It's a very important decision. Choose yeah. well, and don't choose for the wrong reasons. I, I knew, uh, I, I fell in love with my wife on the first day. There was no question. There was, it was much like the acting thing. There was no going back. Well, what was it about so, her that you fell in love with? How did you know on the first day? Well. <laughs> It was a big, it was a big day. Like she, we were going to go, I asked her to go for a coffee and how'd you meet uh, her? 
Well, she she used to work or does still work in film and television, but not as an actor. And okay. so I, I met her through work and I have I really she's really probably the only person I've ever had to work up the mustard and ask out. So I actually asked her out and yeah, for cough yeah, for, <laughs> for coffee. It was terrible. It was so cliche. She called me back a couple of days later and said, uh, you know what, instead of coffee, let's go sea kayaking. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I can see that. So she came to, she, she picked, I had a motorcycle at the time and she didn't want to go on the motorcycle. So she came and picked me up morning of, and we went for, but she showed up hungover. So she was relaxed, <laughs> super relaxed and calm and really centered. So I was like, oh gosh, she's so centered. She's so calm. And she's, oh, it's really cool. This would be really good for me. Turns out she was the exact opposite of that. Yeah. She was just a little hungover. So we went sea kayaking. First we went for breakfast, then we went sea kayaking, then we went for a lunch, then we went for a picnic, then I met her dog, then we went to another beach, then I took her for dinner, and it just, mm. it just, we just didn't want the date to end, and uh, we moved in three weeks later, and that was wow. that. Awesome. Yeah. awesome, awesome, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of relationships, Emily okay. Waringa is asking, "What's it like working with Pascal?" on When Calls the Heart, and what's in store for Lee and Rosemary in season nine? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, Pascal is one of the most horrid, terrible people in the world. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're, we're like, we're, she's one of my best friends. Very, very, very close for a long time. We've been working together now for, this is our ninth season, my eighth season on the show, but um, we hang out all the time. We do, we pitch projects together. It's you, you, you find this interesting being an actor. I have a business partner more or less as an actor. Like mm. it's really, it's really, uh, rare to have you as an actor, you kind of go through your career on your own. You, you sort of mm. do, you don't partner up with somebody and do multiple shows or multiple projects with that person for such a long period of time, almost a decade in. It's, it's very rare, and what the reason why it worked is because we have the same sense of humor, and she doesn't take herself too seriously, and, um, you know, our families hang out. We do stuff together all the time. As far as what we have in store this year, uh, it's a, I can't give much away. I was just told literally about three hours ago on another uh, thing with our producers not to give too much away on anything, but this year I promise we have some really big, big things happening. All so right. I think Rosie and, and Lee have a, a great season coming up. I hope the fans enjoy it. And are you in the middle of shooting right now? No, no, no. We finished uh, shooting. Yeah, yeah, we finished shooting in December. And we are, a premiere is uh, next Sunday okay. and uh, on Hallmark. And then yeah. uh, I, with any luck, if we get greenlit for a season 10, we will shoot. Uh, I think the hope is to try and shoot in the summer again, like, like usual. So oh, fingers yeah. crossed as an yeah. actor, you're always hoping. So we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And you also wrote a Hallmark movie, right? I, yeah, I did. I was very fortunate that uh, I did a, a, a movie for them once um, and I played a chef, but there was very little chefy stuff in it. I didn't get to do it. And I, I happened to really, really enjoy cooking. So one of the execs was there and they said, what would you like to do next? And I said, you know, if I wrote you a show about a chef 
that was really much more about cooking and the chef, would you read it? And she said, absolutely. I'm like, like, okay, great. So I went home and I wrote a script and I sent it to them. And it took them a while, but uh, they came back to me and said that they would love to do that. And uh, so we got it made. I wrote it specifically for Hallmark. So it isn't necessarily something that I wrote that was like a, a dream job for me. It was specific. Yeah. I mean, Hallmark's a very specific animal and they you yeah. got to write it to fit the animal. And, yeah. uh, but it was a great experience. I, I was really glad that they did that and kind of got me writing again. Yeah. How long did yeah. it take you to write the script? Uh, about eight days. Wow. I, when I get, when I, yeah, when I get into something, I, I, I I'm pretty focused. Yeah. And so yeah. when writing a script, cause a lot of people who are watching right now are writers themselves, mm -hmm. uh, you create an outline first or do you have an, do you have an idea of like what the ending is going to be, or do you kind of just start and let it unfold itself? I, I think that for, for this particular project, being a Hallmark show, there is a certain formula that you have to follow. So I, my the idea hung around this guy who was a chef, and then I had to create a, a, a drama and some family and some tension and, and stuff within that construct. Um, if I were writing something else, like if I were starting another screenplay that was more for me, mm -hmm. I, would probably, I would probably start with... Um, the the main characters the lead characters uh sort of it's a weird thing to say but motivation i hate that term but what their motivation is yeah. why they are the way they are and sort of plunge into that guy and that's how you get all the interesting stuff and then you just plug away because if, if you're not writing for tv then you don't have to write to commercials you don't have to do you know you don't have to time it out you can write whatever you want to write and that's one yeah. of the things i like about that so what advice would you give someone who's writing a screenplay right now? Like in terms of, of uh, are there any books? Like I think Save the Cat is one of them. That, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, there's, there's definitely yeah. some books. I've, uh, I'm sure much like you, I've, been, I, I've read so many scripts over the years. Um, so many good ones and so many bad ones. Yeah, and I learned so many bad scripts get made it's like so many masterpieces and i'm yes. like why has this not been made yes. it's crazy it is crazy it really yeah. is there's no real rhyme or reason i guess it's all i guess it all just money i, I don't know but yeah. um i have read so many scripts over the years that it was it's i i feel like i had a natural affinity for, and i don't know if you feel this way as an actor too i'm a good storyteller like, I feel like that part is something I can kind of rely on. I, mm -hmm. I know how to tell a good yarn. And so it was really learning the nuts and bolts of a screenplay. And anybody can learn that. You can down, you can go online and just nuts and bolts of, of screenplays. And then really it's, can you tell a good story? And then, uh, and then after that, selling it is, that's challenging. That, that's a yeah. whole different ball of wax right there. Writing a screenplay though is, is really fulfilling and fun and um i i strongly suggest to anybody who's interested in doing it to to just write like you'll learn as you go there there's different you'll get lucky you won't get lucky some things will work your idea is good your idea is bad but, yeah. just just write just just get down and write because that way you'll start on your path and you can start chucking stuff out the next day and then just keep at it yeah. you know eventually you get better
And do you edit as you write or you just kind of let it go and come back to it? With, uh, with screenplays, yeah, I, I kind of edit as I go. Not, not too hard because whoever you sell it to is going to have big edits as well. Yeah. But if I'm, like, I'm trying to write fiction for myself, long-form fiction, and that I, I don't want to get bogged down with rewriting because you get too caught up in the perfect sentence or the perfect turn of phrase yeah. and you never get anywhere. I'd right. much rather just like let it come out like verbal diarrhea and just pour yeah. it all out and then uh, get to the end of a book, if, call it a book, and then, uh, and then start reading it and fixing it and massaging it. But eventually, even with long form fiction, like a, like a novel, you're going you're gonna to have to look for somebody to help you for the next stage, which is the publishing and the selling yeah. and that. So it's it, it's all challenging, but the writing part you can't you can control all on your own by writing. Just just write. Everybody says that a writer writes, and it sounds cliche, but it's super true. Yeah. Pay you know respect the craft. If you're a writer, it doesn't matter if you write two lines or not. You're a writer. Write, and then yeah. just every day, no excuses. Say okay, from six in the morning to ten in the morning, I write. That's all I do. Whether it's at you know midnight to two in the morning, whatever it is, just every single day, right? If you're a big reader, it helps because you you know whether it's scripts or or novels, mm -hmm. the more you can take in, the more knowledge you'll have. But but really, it's just about doing it. Yeah, I've mentioned this before. <clears throat> I had the opportunity to go down to Cuba and got to go see where uh, Ernest Hemingway lived oh, when he was down there. Yeah. And he was yeah. such a big fisherman that um, his discipline was he would write 500 words a day. That was his discipline. And he said if he were going to go fishing, he would write a thousand words the day before so that uh, he could go and fish and not have to worry about his writing. And if but I'm I mean, not mistaken, he did fairly well. Yeah, I think he, uh, I think he did all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you're writing your own novel right now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm yeah. not sure if I'll end up publishing it as like, if I can, if I'm lucky enough that it's any good, I don't know if I want to publish it as Kevin Smith. I might try and do like a, a use a, a pen name. So I don't conflate the two careers. I don't want to confuse anybody. Okay. So I, I might try and I don't know yet. I have no idea. First I got to well, get it published. Ethan Hawke wrote uh, the highest, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, I, mean, I think that worked out pretty well for him. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. But he's Ethan Hawke. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and is there any other advice you would say? So if you were to give yourself, like if you were going back in time and giving young Kevin Smith some advice at 20 years old, embarking out into the world and uh, trying to make their, their mark in the world, what advice would you give yourself back then? That's a great question. Um, well, we've kind of touched on it a bunch so far, but I would say, uh, don't take everything so seriously. Don't stress. I stressed too much and I, mm. I missed so many opportunities. There, there were opportunities that came where the show wasn't good or that it just didn't work out. But then there were opportunities that I screwed up and a lot of them because I, took everything so seriously you know and mm -hmm. I, I i wish i hadn't have done that 
So if I could go back in time, that would be a, that would be a big thing. Try to live in the moment a bit more and enjoy the ride more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's that time of the show, Kevin, where we get to ask you your favorite movies. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the first move, uh, first question is what is your favorite movie of all time? That's a really hard question to answer because there's so many. Yes. As I'm sure you know, it's like favorite book, favorite movie. It's tough, but I can, I can give you an answer. It's Casablanca. <clears throat> and, oh, uh, great movie. Part, great movie. Part, yeah. And part of the, and the reason would be because when I did get kicked out of university or asked to leave, um, I went and saw that movie in an art, in an art house theater. And it was a really, it was a, it's a magical movie. Like it's what Hollywood was. I believed it to be. So it had, like yeah, almost every line is iconic and oh, yeah. you had the, these great actors for the time doing this it, was, it just ended up being this and 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 what i've researched about the show is that it wasn't they didn't know it was happening so it was almost kind of like at the end just magic so when i walked out of the theater i was like that was magic i want to mm-hmm. do that so casablanca that's my favorite kathleen walsh says we'll always have paris Yes, yes, we will. Yeah, favorite city. You know, what I love about that movie is that unlike a lot of movies nowadays, there's so much, it seems like the scenes just, there's so so much space to let the scene breathe where when Humphrey Bogart walks in, um, uh, what's female actress's name? Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman, yeah. yeah. When she walks in and just those, those glances that they would have with each other yeah, and the the subtext and just the, you could literally see the chemistry on Mm -hmm. celluloid. It was, there's something of magic about those old Hollywood movies that it's when you're given that time. Yeah. When you're that time, you know, you don't, I was watching uh, Lawrence of Arabia with my son yesterday, Mm. just happened to be on. And there's giant scenes where not a word is said, fast sweeping scapes that you just get something that you don't get from just rapid fire. You know, if there is, yeah, there's something to be said about that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And what was your favorite movie growing up? Okay. Kid. Yeah, this is this is a it's a bad one, but I remembered it being the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And that buddy of mine that we did the skits on, he and I quoted this movie from beginning to end thousands of times. And it's a bit obscure. It okay. brought together it brought together all you know most of the cast of Monty Python and Cheech and Chong. And it was called mm. Yellow Yellowbeard. Yellow Yellowbeard. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> weird one. It was so funny, but then I told my wife about it, you know, when we started dating about 20 years ago, and she's like, oh my God, I got to watch this movie. It sounds fantastic. So we watched it again, and it didn't really hold up. No? <laughs> oh no, it wasn't quite what I remembered it being. But as a kid, you asked it, what my favorite oh, yeah. was as a kid. So as a kid, that one really did it for me. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Everyone, check out Yellowbeard. <laughs> check out Yellowbeard, yeah. Uh, well, what is your favorite romantic comedy? Jeez, that's a tough one. I, I hate to admit this, but I really like The Notebook. 
Dude, is that, is, that, is that a bad one? I love that movie. Yeah. Okay, I love yeah. I love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. And they're both they're fellow Canadians, so I kind of feel a little affinity for the two of them. But it was yeah. uh, I I my son who is uh, fourteen now hates to admit that he loves this movie, but his girlfriend loves the movie. So there you go. Yeah. So there it is. It, it, it if I had to pick a romantic comedy, that's the one. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and what is your favorite just straight comedy? Ooh, uh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I love Coen Brothers stuff. So like, mm. uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I find that really funny. Um, but I also really like, um, Napoleon Dynamite. I, I, I went to see Napoleon Dynamite. Like, I had no, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I like weird stuff for sure. Yeah, but, I, but I, I was going to see something else. A buddy and I went and saw a movie, and we, I don't know, some blockbuster we were going to see. It was sold out, couldn't get in. So they're like, well, you can still get tickets for Napoleon Dynamite. And I'm like, oh, this looks ridiculous. I don't want to see this thing. Yeah. So went in completely unexpected and laughed so hard, I thought I was going to break my ribs. Can you give us a little impersonation? No, 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 I don't think I can. I'm not going to risk that. As you can see, it's very dark out here right now on the list. Yeah. So my whole, it's like I'm floating in an orb of yeah, no, so just, just, floating head. just don't wait. Just a floating head. But no, I'm not going to do the, the pulling Okay. Back. All right. Damn it. Next time. Yeah. Sorry. Um, who is your favorite actor or male character in a film? Well, this one I will I will revert to the the, the cliche thing, but Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, it's hard it's hard to say there's anybody better than that, you know. So, and if I had to pick one, I would say there will be blood because it was just this. When I went when I saw that movie, I just like I've never seen an actor eat the screen like that before. Like he just devoured the rest of the movie, and I was like, wow, that was a tour de force which film it's called there will be blood oh god yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, my, yeah. my milkshake <laughs> yeah exactly it's just wow yeah you watch yeah. stuff like that and you're like okay there are levels to this and and yeah. that was one for me that when i walked out of there i was super inspired when you see great people that are that have committed to that level and that are at that that pinnacle of any profession mm -hmm. you can learn so much by watching them you don't have yeah. to ascend to the same level you can still glean so much from them and watching him is uh it's a privilege to be able to watch a guy that good yeah and i'm sure you've heard stories where when he's on sets you know like gangs of new york he is bill the butcher and like yeah. craft service it's bill and you can't yeah. daniel it's like yeah he is that character the whole time. The whole time. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'd want to work with the guy, yeah, I, but I, I love watching yeah, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so is that your process? Are you like, when you're... No. In, no? <laughs> no, it's not my process at all. I can't I can't take myself seriously. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'd be a better actor if I would. I don't know. I've always ascribed to the, uh, the, the school of thought that is, I'll do whatever it takes. So if I can't make it work and that's the only way I can get it to work, I'll try that. If, yeah. if I can get, if I can be more off the cuff and free in my own skin, then yeah. I'll do that. Whatever, whatever works. I don't yeah. have a, I don't have an ascribed school that I, that I'm committed to. Um, but that kind of, there's some of it seems 
just a tad silly to me. I don't, I don't mean to criticize the method if that's what works for you, mm-hmm. but if I couldn't imagine myself going to set and saying, hey, by the way, from now on, it's Lee. Only I know, Lee. yeah. I, I just don't know if I could ever do that. Yeah. But it works for him because he's, he's as good as I've ever seen. I was uh, one of my good friends. She, she's a pretty, she's actually an Academy Award nominated actress. And oh. uh, she was working with another very prominent actor. And um, she said during the filming of the movie, he just was, I mean, he was almost ignoring her and dismissing her and oh. just kind of giving her just these weird dismissive looks. And at one point she finally in the makeup room went up or makeup trailer went up to him. And she said, you know, did I do something to offend you or did like and he said he said something to the effect of you see who's number one on the call sheet and she was like okay i see it all right i i mean some people take themselves so seriously it is yeah. I, I was like when i heard that i was like did you punch the guy like i mean i yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a real tough one yeah. How do you? How do, yeah. I mean, something's broken there, you know. Yeah. Something, something, something definitely fundamentally broken. Yeah, he, he didn't get enough hugs as a little boy. I yeah. Think. Exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a tough one to remedy because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I hope I I've been very lucky in my life. I haven't worked with many people that I would put in that category, if any. Um, but most of my experience have been pretty positive. That one sounds terrible yeah terrible um and lastly who's your favorite actress or female character again i gotta go with uh the the status quo on this one meryl streep is she's the only other one well not the only other one there's so many brilliant people but when you if you talk about daniel day lewis being the male version of the goat then i mean it's a tough it's a tough one to pick anybody else over her she's uh she's what i love most about uh, when i really love an actor is when they can completely transform Mm -hmm. into anything and she's Mm -hmm. like from julia childs to the queen to the Devil Wears Prada, to ABBA. I mean, what's the range? There's, yeah. It's limitless. It's limitless. So, yeah, yeah she's, uh, she's spectacular. Yeah, awesome. That's the one. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks for your Thank you for having me. And uh, sharing everything that you've uh, got going on. Uh, is there anything else you want to share with us? Uh, Eve, uh... No, just I hope that if anybody's out there listening that are uh, When Calls the Heart fans, that you'll tune in next Sunday night for our season premiere, season nine. We're yeah. hoping for a big turnout so we can get a season 10. So uh, success to everybody. And uh, thank you, Colin, so much for having me on. Yeah, awesome. Last question. Okay. I'd like to ask my guests before they take off is what inspires you? What inspires me? Okay. I think the thing that inspires me most is trying to make sense of who I am. That's the one thing that motivates most of what I do. I really, I did not have an ideal childhood. And most of my life has been spent trying to figure out why I am the way I am. Of the good and the, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And I think what inspires me is watching other people 
committed to that pursuit as well because I probably wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been inspired by countless other people seeing like I always wonder why you know this is cliche again but I'll say it you 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 see uh, like a, an advertisement for famine in Africa and you hear this little five-year-old kid is raising his three-year-old and two-year-old brothers. Why wasn't I that kid? You know, why, why mm. didn't I have the strength of character that that kid had? And, and that's just a, a, a sort of, you know, a silly example, but I, I'm, I want to try and be the man that I think I can be. And so I'm inspired by other people who are self-aware mm-hmm. can, and. Oh no, I think you're muted, Kevin. <laughs> Did your AirPods die out? No. See, we're, we're leaving you in suspense. You go. Am I good? Am I good? Yes. Am I back on? Okay. Yeah. My headphones literally just died. Just died. <laughs> just died. <laughs> but now back in business. Now yeah. I'm the, the floating head in the black orb again. <laughs> but uh, did I get to the end of that? I think I got to Almost. the end. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. I think I think we get the essence of okay. uh, a deep searching for who you really are and uh, just i feel that with that everything else finds balance you know i have a curiosity i have a curiosity to know as much as i can about myself because that way i know myself in any given situation Mm -hmm. and and that's Mm -hmm. interesting to me yeah the more and i think that's one of the things that i love about acting is that not only do you explore these amazing characters but in that process it has forced me to do a lot of deep exploration in who I am, what my fears are, what my kryptonite is, yes. what is what I love, what I'm intim- intimidated by. And in that process of becoming more self-aware, I've just become more confident, I've become yeah. more grounded, yeah. um, able to just know who I am and be okay if someone disagrees with me or doesn't yes, like exactly me and just be like, yeah, all right. It's all good. Don't you feel, don't you think that when I think about the people that I admire the most, there's, I think one of the qualities that I admire the most is fearlessness. And how mm. do you get to be fearless? You know, you're yeah. really, I don't know how you do it. My way is I'm trying to figure out myself, but when you, when you look at either actors or anybody in this world who has gone off and achieved to some high degree very often the time it's that they're they have a fearlessness they just believe in themselves they have this mm-hmm. unsinkable confidence that i'm always trying to find yeah but and i was always reminded that fearlessness is not it's not the absence of fear it is taking action in the face of fear yes and just by walking into the fear you are being fearless, but there's so much self-discovery in that space Yeah. that whenever I see something that I've never done before, that looks like it's going to scare the shit out of me. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. And so many actors that I've worked with say the very same thing. And I've heard time and time again, an actor will say, well, why did you take this role? And it was because, because it scared me. Yeah. Because it, it was something that I'd never done before. And it's in that unknown that we can explore and discover so much, but that's the very thing that will stop people from going into it is that unknown. 
Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. And it's my, like I said earlier, my wife is the one who always the yes person and I'm the no person. And part of my saying no is a control thing, right? Cause I, yeah. I'm a little afraid of what could let happen. Let yeah. Just gotta let it go. Just gotta yeah. learn, learn to let it yeah. go. And then you, yeah. you, you'll be better balanced. Like you said, you'll, you, it's not absence of fear. It's having a strategy to deal with the fear, you know, awesome. um, those are the people I admire the most. Yeah. Awesome. Kevin. Well, I admire you. Thank you for being here. And uh, man, we'd love to work with you sometime, you know, next time you're picking up your pen and you're writing. Yeah. Right. Maybe write me into a thing. Like I'd love to love to play sure. something in whatever that you, uh, you write. So well, I'd love to, I feel, yeah. I feel very at ease with you. So that's, that's, that's something I'll look forward to doing. Awesome, man. Thanks for okay. being here again. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks pal. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. Another awesome, incredible interview. Um, just so many, so many nuggets of gold here. I really liked when he talked about if you don't have the struggle, you can't enjoy the payoff. And uh, I mean, it's it's so true. I mean, how many times have we been given things that are free? We don't appreciate them as much as the things that we have to work for. And uh, it's not just the actual attainment of the things that we're struggling to to get. It's who you become in that process, who you become and what you learn and what you, how you grow in that process, because there's, there's never an end point. Once you get to a certain place, there's always another place to get to. And so I would just encourage you all to keep focusing on enjoying the process. As Kevin said tonight, just as he would tell his younger self, just enjoy it more, be in the moment. Don't take things so seriously Give yourself a break. There's so many amazing things out there in the world that are to be experienced and to be done. And there's no reason why we have to let this little thing between our ears get in the way of us really truly going out there into life and experiencing amazing things. You are going to get knocked down. You are going to get rejected. You are going to hear no, but it is in that process where you learn more about who you are and what you love, what you're willing to fight for. And uh, I would say just keep going after what you love and what you're passionate about because that is what life is all about. And the best things in life are outside of your comfort zone. Um, again, Coffee with Colin coffee mugs are now available. Feel free to go to my website so we can enjoy our coffee together. Thanks for being here. And uh, we will see you all next week. Have a great week.